0: Every state, every town, every place in the world needs to understand that FASD doesn't just affect the people with it or their parents. And if more people know about it, there can be more places like this. There can be more special education programs. There can be more benefit for FASD. Like everyone just needs more support. That was Amanda, a young woman with an FASD and part of the upcoming film, The FASD Project. Today, I'll be speaking with Justin Shepard, the director, and Christina Euban, the executive producer of the film, The FASD Project. Justin Shepard and Christina Euban fell in love in Colorado where they married. They lived along the West Coast from Vancouver, Canada, down to Los Angeles, California, where they started their family and pursued their careers. Justin, as a performing artist, and Christina, as a developmental neuroscientist focused on FASD. Working with the nonprofit FASD Communities that provides four young women with an FASD a forever home to live independently from family, Justin and Christina were asked to help amplify their FASD movement Through a film about FASD. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, Justin and Christina learned about the 41% increase in maternal drinking in 2020 and saw the future spike in FASD incidence and severity among babies born in 2021 and 2022 that would result from the side effect of the COVID-19 pandemic on the United States. Justin immediately decided that the FASD film had to be made and disseminated now to help prevent this from happening. He and his brother formed a crew of two and hit the road on November 3rd, 2020 to interview individuals with an FASD, their caregivers, and professionals in the FASD community that are around the United States. Supported by a powerful team of pro bono producers, The road trip was a massive success, and the FASD Project pilot film is now in post-production. I am speaking with Justin Shepard and Christina Yubin of the FASD Project, and I can tell you that I think this is the interview I've been waiting for all year. So Justin and Christina, welcome to FASD Hope.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Natalie.
2: Happy to be here. Super Thank excited you for having us
0: on. This is a project that is near and dear to my heart. You know, being a mom of an 18-year-old son that has an FASD, knowing that there's going to be a film made about FASD, and that you know you guys are hopefully trying to get it to go mainstream so that you'll have a big audience to learn about FASD and to have better support. This means so much to so many of us parents and, and caregivers out there. So before we start off, I just wanna say thank you guys for doing this. This, this really, you're gonna have a lot of people in the FASD community, very appreciative for the work that you guys are doing. So I'm just starting off with, with some gratitude. We will start talking about this amazing project.
2: Uh, well, first of all, I want to go back and just say thank you to you and gratitude towards you as well, Natalie, and and everything that you're doing, um, and this this podcast, and uh, for you know all of the the hard work that everybody's putting in from this grassroots level is, I think, going to be the the greatest change that w- that we'll see come about. So, to talk about uh, where we kind of started it you know Christina started her research with um, FASD uh, how many years ago was it now
1: so well so I was doing um, a clinical uh, master's degree that had an internship to it, and I thought I wanted to study the hard stuff, the illicit drugs. <laughs> you know, that's where the the harm is. So I was studying, you know, adult women with that, and I was working at a New Directions for Families in Denver, Colorado, as a clinical intern. And women got a chance to not be in jail and have their children, and instead do a year inpatient treatment facility with their child living in their own private room with them. And on-site childcare, all this awesome stuff. This program was is still around, and what I quickly learned is, oh my gosh, these kids are impacted severely. This is more about than just the adult. This, you know, you know, substance use and mental health is cross generational, and that out of all the children, the the most impacted children I saw were the ones with the women who had alcoholism, and I just was totally shocked at that, that it didn't match the, you know. Illicit status of a substance, um, the harm towards the fetus. So then I did a PhD doing a rodent model, actually a prenatal alcohol exposure and looking at the offspring and looking at how the bath of hormones in which the brain continues to develop postnatally is altered from the, the in utero experience. So the insult of prenatal alcohol exposure continues to insult, you know, a developing brain long after birth. So that's kind of where my research program went. And I started working with kids as a postdoc um, in Los Angeles. And honestly, you know, all the publications, (laughs) all the science, and all of these, you know, biomarkers. And really the way to push the needle was to make a film. So December 2019, FASD Communities, you know, solicited Justin to kind of make this FASD awareness movement. And I'll let Mm -hmm. you take it. Yeah.
2: Well, too, and to go back. So I met, I met Christina right at the tail end of um, defending her master's thesis. So I, I, my relationship and, you know, my first understanding of FASD started when I was around 10. Uh, My mom's best friend had a couple of um, amazing daughters that were born in the one, the oldest was born the same month as me. And then the younger, uh, a couple years younger. And um, she had uh, an FAS and uh, I asked, I remember asking my mom and her telling me and so that was kind of my introduction to it a long time ago. And, you know, she's been in and out of, uh, we've, you know, she she passed away a couple of years ago. So she we, you know, have been in and out of her life. And, you know, so we've kind of had, that's my firsthand experience uh, with it. And um, when, when they came to Christina, Gigi and Teresa, um, to start a movement, I really, my eyes kind of opened. We tried to start doing it on Zoom and we inter- uh, interviewed uh, Teresa and Tim Conboy first. And I, it was like an epiphany. It's like my my eyes opened up because I was aware of a lot of the numbers behind this, right? And also the real life impact um, that it can have on, on someone. But Tim and Teresa kind of pointed out some other things that I had never thought about before. And it just, it kind of blew the lid off my head. And I just looked at Christina, I was like, this is, This isn't even just a film. This is like a multiple, this is a series. There's so much behind this, uh, all the way from, you know, prevention to the alcohol lobby to so many things, right? Just like our relationship, greater relationship with with alcohol and the economic uh, impact and the the numbers in in prison and and all those other things. And so um, we kind of continue to try and press forward that the pandemic was already in full motion. And I was realizing, you know, we were interviewing people over Zoom, and it's just, you know, it's hard to try and get something put together that is um, cohesive, good film with just Zoom interviews, right? So, we interviewed someone who's going to be in the film, uh, Dan Dabrowski, and I popped up off the couch after we talked about some uh, CD, CD numbers that came out about uh, maternal, the uptick in, in maternal drinking. And since uh, the
1: onset of the pandemic. Since the pandemic. Yeah. And
2: um, I just, you know, I got goosebumps and I looked up at Christina and I said, we got to go now. Can, you know, can we pull this off? Because we have two little ones. Christina works full time as a professor at UCI. And uh, and so it was going to be a challenge. And also um, my other friends that work with me in my production companies and stuff—they're—they're they're all booked out, and you know, it's kind of hard to throw something together so last minute. So I started soliciting my brother, <laughs> and we started putting this thing together. And since the beginning, I have to say, and it still continues to right now, that to this moment, talking to you, there's been this like inspirational, magical, catalyzing, just uh, forward motion that's just kind of come together and. I just feel super lucky to be a part of it um, the way we view it is the voice of the FASD community has long been there and been ignored and not been heard and um, we have an opportunity with this film to kind of help build a, a megaphone uh, if you will that we can hand over and uh, get the world talking about this um, as it is doesn't it's not Iso located to one group of people, you know. This isn't uh, like that. This is our whole planet. <laughs> there's very few cultures that have um, no alcohol in their culture. Right. And so, and but but particularly here in the U.S., you know, we've just um, seeing and talking with uh, parents and caregivers. Um, you know, there needs to be resources. There needs to be talk about prevention. There, there's a huge conversation that needs to happen, and it's going to be complicated. And there's a lot of stigma attached. And um, that we're trying to maneuver within the film itself, but uh, basically, I you know just developed a real simple um, uh, layout for this film, which is it's a double-edged sword. It's a pilot. And it's also an awareness uh, awareness video that will be used for academia and whatever purposes, just free on YouTube. And we will also pitch it to get a docu-series going. Um, Cause it's like I said, a multifaceted multi-layered issue that you couldn't cover in one film. It'd be literally impossible. So what we're doing in the uh, initial pilot here is just talking about what FAS, what what is FASD, where are we with it now? And what are our hopes for the future? What are, what are the solutions that we're aiming towards? The one thing I want that I've been very persistent on is making sure that this film doesn't just go, well, here's FASD, you know, and not offer hope and some takeaways for, you know, future solutions. Um, I want, I pressed every person that I interviewed to uh, try and give me their best, you know, like I see, you know, as you do on your podcast, a uh, hopeful takeaway that we can, you know, look forward to. Um, Cause it's a very, Daunting topic. And there's been a lot of hardship and a lot of, as they call it, the invisible disorder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an invisible disability. And I think you guys and and my husband and I and, and so many other people on the grassroots level feel that there is so much negative connotation and negative implications associated with FASD. And we need to change the conversation to bring some hope because especially if you're in the parent end or if you're in the caregiving end or or like Christina if you're in the research end you know sometimes it just it's so overwhelming to see you know the the numbers and the statistics and you know reading your bio mentioning, you know, the uptick in, in maternal drinking. I liken learning about FASD to the movie, The Matrix. And I know you guys are younger than me, so <laughs> I'm probably dating myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan. So, but you know, it's like when you take that pill and you learn a whole new world. I really liken how my husband and I learned about FASD when our son of officially got its diagnosis after many years of, of, you know, trying and seeing so many different specialists after we got that diagnosis. And after we learned like Christina, what, you know, that it's a brain based disability it's lifelong and the best way to treat it is to accommodate it and to, it. it's a brain-based diagnosis. So obviously you can't change anything that happened prenatally. However, you can make accommodations. And when you learn that it, it is life-changing. It really is. And, and you just want to share that information with everybody because you think of all of those People who have been impacted, who, you know, people think, oh, well, it's just willful behavior, or it's just they're you know, the children are just behaving badly. No, these are symptoms from prenatal brain damage caused by alcohol. So I'm, you know, we're going to take turns standing on the soapbox during this interview (laughs) because, because you guys, I mean, you guys are just sitting, hitting so many points home. So my first question was, why was this so important? But I'm not even going to ask that because I know why. So I'm going to tweak my first question to what was it like, Justin, driving with your brother cross country in the rust bucket during a pandemic for such a noble cause?
1: Great question. Well,
2: it was unlike anything I've done before, I can say that. Um, And, uh, you know, it was, we didn't have a radio (laughs) for the first probably, um, oh, I don't know, 30 hours Hmm. of driving, I guess.
0: And I saw a map of all the mileage you guys covered. Oh my goodness. That
2: Yeah. And luckily it was my brother, you know, luckily it's, you know, you want to test how well your relationship yeah. is. Yeah. Go cross but country. You in a car quiet for 30 oh. hours as you're down the road. Man. Uh, no, it was, you know, because we had the rust bucket attached to us and because of our concern for the fact that both, my brother and I have our own, you know, immunocompromisations <laughs> that could, you know, complicate, but also that we're working with the community that we just could not risk. So that's why we pulled the rust. But that was the initial, like, look, this will this will help mitigate us going into bathrooms at gas stations going uh into hotels or people's homes or anything of the sort so that we were really able to use the rust bucket as just like our little safety nest right so um that was you know and we've christine and i have traveled we we lived in this for a year and a half uh, full time and uh, <laughs> and so you know we're we're used to traveling with it and stuff like that and that's what it's great for so and the the pandemic you know it's it was very interesting to see how different you know parts of the country are approaching it differently and you know um, different thought patterns and <laughs> things like that so but you know we mostly just kind of stayed in the truck stayed in the rust bucket and just went from site location to site location which. By the way, shout out to our wonderful group of uh, core producers, um, Jen included, um, Christina, Gigi, Teresa, Marissa, everybody that was a Lindsay, part of, yeah, Spencer. Lindsay and Spencer, everybody that was a part of making us and helping us be safe along the way on this journey. You know, we we had it really pretty easy for considering what most people in production consider the most ludicrous thing that two guys would go with a camera and sound <laughs> gear to try and uh, do a production of, of this, you know, of this quality and of this nature is it's kind of my production friends are like, you're going to do what? Okay. Well, good luck, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because I mean, you, you throw the pandemic in the mix and yeah. it just it's everything as well. Right. So, but you know, everything just kind of, went off without a hitch. I mean, we, you know, with the exception of there was one little hiccup where I ripped the back of the rust bucket off. I but, saw
0: that. I saw um, that on Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we stayed, we stayed steadfast on keep keeping uh, light and bright and didn't yeah. get too stressed out and put some screws in the back of it and kept on going. So, you know, and we're, we're back now and it's all in one piece. So That's we're great. okay. But, uh, it was, it was great. You know, we, we did a very good job of, um, making sure that all the site, the people that ran the site locations um, did a very good job of making sure that there was symptom checking, um, both for Jeff and I and everybody that was interviewing. So we kept our masks on. We had full PPE gear, face shields, and um, and all that and then we'd air the room out in between and um, because we were asking people to take their masks off right, while right. you know while filming so because it's just not the same to watch someone talk with a mask on as we all know right? <laughs> absolutely
0: um, absolutely it's
2: a humanizing things so um That's and right. we're talking a very human a very human based topic so yeah it was it was good and uh, like I said we We did travel to some major cities. Um, Then we tried to kind of just stay close to our site location and didn't really venture around unless it was outside. Um, We did get the trip around Washington, D.C. But neither Jeff and I had been there before, and that was very cool to see um, after our day of filming there. And so we got to walk around for a couple hours and there was just literally nobody around, so that was great. (laughs) We felt like we had D.C. all to ourselves. Yeah, it was it was very interesting, and and like I said, uh, I'm thankful we we made it back, and everybody's healthy, and there's so far from our trip, nobody's reported any um, COVID, and and we we are good and healthy. So you know, it worked That's out. Good. It yeah. worked out well. Yeah. So
1: I have no, to bad. say, as a professor of public health, the COVID mitigation was absolutely you know the number one priority as yeah. the yeah. executive producer. I said there is no movement film, if we get COVID. And, um and also, you know, the interview, no matter how much how, how many gems in an interview there are, if it's not a high production quality, it's not usable. So COVID was number one priority. Number two is production quality. And number three was actually capturing the stories.
2: Yeah. And that's what kind of kept us moving forward too, Natalie, we you know, I mean, we were wearing a lot of hats on the production side. And then, you know, also trying to, you have to, at the end of the day of, you know, filming eight or 10 people, you have to, um, data log all of that footage and, and back it up. And, um, that, that became the biggest kind of bottleneck for us was that we had to spend time traveling and then we had to find a place to find power so that we could set up and, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, uh, those were the biggest challenges was, just kind of that in between time, Um, you know, the, the interviewing process though, and and getting to meet everybody that we got to meet was the thing that that kept us moving forward because it was just like, wow, another amazing experience or another inspirational moment today. And it was just like more fuel in the tank to keep going forward um, through all of that. And it was genuinely, again, like I said, I, I have so much gratitude and so much, you know, appreciation for just being able to to be a part of this and um, and be able to help in some way so uh, it's been really really awesome really magical.
0: I know when I interview people, it's different with podcasting. I mean, obviously, we're not face to face. But don't you feel like when you listen to somebody's story, it's like you're giving them that you're giving them a, a chance to not only help somebody else, but you're giving them some power, you know, there's there's power in sharing your story. And for me, when I talk to people, especially, you know, either parents or, or individuals, you know, adults that have an FASD, when they share their stories with me, I feel like, like you said, you're giving them the microphone, you're giving them a chance to to share, share their journey, which is extremely valuable, and it needs to be heard. Did you feel that way? Like, you know, every time, you know, somebody shared their story with you?
2: A hundred percent, particularly um, all of the amazing individuals living with an FASD that I got to, um, Interview and and talk with um, and and the caregivers in particular.ly I find I found it kind of um, truly amazing that it was we had all these interview you know interview questions uh, aligned and um, I my interview style people kind of get tense and there's this kind of intrepidation <laughs> you know it's like oh I'm nervous you know and then you start putting a mic mm-hmm. on them and there's lights there and everything yeah. and um, so I was I tried my best to you know laugh and, and joke and just kind of converse and talk with them for a bit before we actually started rolling and then the the most amazing thing happens when you hit roll and and people start talking right and it's like you said it's like floodgates open there was times that i never even had to reference my question sheet one single time i I actually probably a good majority of the time um because it's just people have been um you know that that we interviewed had had been holding those stories in for so long and again you know, it comes back to that megaphone thing, you know, it's like, you can tell your story to this person or that person. And we know, uh, particularly from a a caregiver uh, perspective too, that it's, there's, there's hardships that you encounter from telling your own family or friends that that you get closed off. Right. And so it's now you're getting a chance to unabashedly without any filtering, tell your story and tell and tell it, you know, from your, your, your your perspective. And it was just amazing to set in and hear it. And, I can't tell you how many times both me and Jeff were crying, trying not to like hear have it in like our sniffling in the, (laughs) in the audio background. You know what I mean? Because it was just it was a very emotional journey, and to be able to hear these incredible stories was, again, I just you know I'm I'm thankful for it and for everybody that did it. It was really uh, very cool to kind of just we we would laugh. There was um, one person whom I interviewed at the very end, and he was just. uh very well poised and in in his um answer he's obviously done it a bunch before and jeff and i were laughing because he would answer my question and like in a couple sentences and then look at me like okay what's the next question i was like i'm not ready i usually keep just going you know so um it was it was really uh a really amazing experience for me
1: and can I give a shout out to Teresa Convoy who actually drafted, you know, most yeah. of the questions that helped guide Justin to at least get the interviews kickstarted. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And I the used the majority of those too for um, when we were talking with the professionals of, you know, doctors and, Lawyers and and such, those were um, amazing to have. So yeah, shout out to Theresa. thank
0: you. Yeah, and y'all spoke to some some friends of mine. Um, you you spoke with Sarah and my friends over at Proof Alliance, Marissa, who I love, and um, you know the the folks at Proof Alliance and. Uh, you spoke with the Muns, Lindsay and Spencer, who are friends of ours. Actually, Spencer and, and John did the first dad cast in October. Y'all you, you guys on this too. Oh, you you yeah. guys like I, I love that you captured so many different aspects of people in the FASD community because there are so it, yeah. It's like FASD is like, it has this ripple effect of how many people it affects and how it affects, you know, people. So I love that in this project, you are, you have addressed so many different, um, you spoke with so many different people and, and in different levels and different uh, roles. Um, so, so I appreciate that as a parent. Um, so
1: we have to give credit again, Teresa Conboy and Gigi Davidson, who, you know, really did a lot, the majority of the lineup for the interviews. Yeah. That's
2: great. And, and Sarah, Sarah Mefsell was our very first interview Yeah, yeah. Marissa and Proof Alliance was the, our first site location and our first, you know, mm-hmm. they got Jeff and I on two hours of sleep. And- <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and honestly, great. And Sarah. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be yeah. an amazing experience. Yeah, you,
0: you started off good.
2: Amazing, she just came out and just I was like, Wow, okay, if they're all gonna be like this, it's gonna be hard to, to yeah. do as footage to put in this. So yeah. um
1: And Marissa Lang did all the booking did. in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. uh, Marissa's yeah, I, awesome.
2: I, I twisted her arm and made her interview as well. And uh <laughs> so she did amazing as well. And I wanted her to talk about the amazing work that she does there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She, she is fantastic. Uh, our son actually participates in one of her online programs and uh, she really is a lifeline, especially for, you know, older teens and young adults that have enough ASD. So again, I'm just like smiling. You can't see me smile. I, I sound like buddy, the elf, but I'm smiling. <laughs> Smiling's my favorite. Um, you guys are just, like I said, I'm I'm just really appreciative of this work that you're doing. Any particular interviews, I, I I mean, it's I guess it's kind of like trying to ask who's your favorite kid, but any particular interviews that stood out or just any anything that that would just kind of made you go, hmm, I you know, I'm I'm just that really changed my mindset.
2: It it really is very hard to say, but I, I'm gonna say this that I think the most profound like driving, you know, force that made me go, okay, we're on the right track and we're doing this. It started with the youth at Proof Alliance that Marissa lined up for us to interview. They were just amazing and um, so well spoken, and I loved their message. And again, Sarah and Rissa. And then, you know, moving on, moving forward, we went to the Aloha house and we just had, didn't know how it was going to go. And it was 10 times beyond amazing, beyond our expectations. they, they took us in and made us food and, and, you know, and like, and just jumped right on board and we had great conversation and played board games. And I mean, really that, that experience in itself, beyond just the interviewing, that experience itself, being there at the house, the girls and um, getting to interview everybody there and seeing um, uh, the, the interviews that I did though, with the girls were again, another driving force for me. That was just, uh, and Jeff I mean we 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 all cried everybody was crying because it was just I don't know very profound and and the, you know they did such a good job delivering a message and and interviewing and and then from there you know in DC I met with Dr. Lorenzo Norris who was amazing and and then of course Dan Nabowski who's um, kind of again one of the one of the people that made me jump up and go, I got to go, we got to go to this guy. Um, and Dan, you know, is a parent, um, and also has worked, um, on the science side of it as well. So I, I call him my like, kind of like Venn diagram. So, uh, and he, he jokingly says, you know, the, the researchers and the scientists and doctors can't say anything to me because I work with them. And then the parents also like, That's right. And, 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 you know, and I have an understanding with them as well because I was a parent as well. That's right. um, so, and his, his interview and stuff was incredibly moving and um, just really good presentation of information and uh, Dr. Norris and um, I want to give him a shout out because um, I just really connected with him and we, you know, he's a, he's a big picture guy. And was able to um, kind of step back, which this film really needs and this this awareness movement really needs is just, you know, the, the sim- to simplify the message and to really streamline information and ideas so that it can be digested by what we need is a critical mass um, to, to, to hit that point to get the change um, that everybody needs. Um, for, for this. So, but again, I, I couldn't, you know, those are just some shout outs to people that were, were amazing, but everybody, I, I didn't have a single one. And, and Christina can attest to that. There was not a single one It's like, nah, that one's not gonna, every, every single time someone sat down, I was like, well, maybe, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, 45 minutes or an hour and a half later, you know, you're like, wow, this was amazing. Thank you. You know, so, but again, a credit to the lineup and, and GG and, and Teresa for, and everybody that that took part in this you know it's the the real meat and potatoes of it all so um it was fun
1: <laughs> i think the, the thing that we were all surprised by is that it seemed to bring things that are usually siloed conversations you know from washington state no fast to washington dc no fast to proof alliance you know and, and fasd community is profit for profit for for forever homes, it just seemed to like bring everything together to help support this and get Justin and Jeff kind of launched off and ready for success. So that was unexpected and really cool energy.
2: Yeah. That's something that I could say that kind of happened organically that I I didn't anticipate was um, as I started interviewing. A lot of the researchers and medical side and and um fasd trainers and the barb clarks and and people like that i was i started realizing you know beyond just this film and their message out there like this is kind of an all-star group of people um that could really you know be a a a catalyst for uh, for change on on a bigger level um and especially from a professional standpoint as well so um, I started asking everybody at the end of their interviews, you know, can I, is it okay to reach out to you and connect you with everybody? And of course, everybody was, you know, on board with this. So we're kind of assembling a, a as well, you know, a, the, an all-star uh, group of uh, professionals as well, from doctors to researchers to, um, um, again, dif- different, um, no fast Washington with FASD communities and um, all of the different as christina pointed out kind of siloed efforts that you know and that that comes back to why we're doing this as well natalie which is you know we talked a lot about resources and uh and the money that is funneled towards um other you know disabilities such as uh, autism and such and it's a very large gap in in funding and resources and and those things so um we're really aiming to um bring that to the attention of that's part of the, you know, um, objective the, yeah. of this film is to be able to put this in front of, you know, um, people that can make legislative changes and get, you know, federal and state money funneled towards uh, resources for the FASD community.
1: Yeah, the prevalence of FASD does not proportionately match the funding. The funding.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And everyone listening to this, that's like a uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, it's not a dot. It's a shocking comment to people who yeah. this film is for, which we don't is round zero where that they, you're like, oh, you say FASD and they say, what's that? It's fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. What's that? <laughs> this is, mm-hmm. I mean, this is who we're trying to bring on board or people
2: yeah. who
1: really don't know that. Right,
2: and I mean, I got to interview Tom Donaldson who's the director of No Fast. Oh, wow. And, you know, he told me, he told me kind of some of his, you know, off the record, shared some experiences of how you know hard it is on a on a national level to walk up onto the hill and and you know show these numbers that seem I guess somewhat incredulous to um, you know different senators and legislative people that they, you know they it's it's so real and so pervasive in our society that uh, I I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around it. So yeah. um, again, this is trying to you know, and those were Tom Donaldson's words as well as, you know, this is going to be a grassroots thing. We have to hit a critical mass, kind of like we did for tobacco. And there's been a lot of parallels drawn with that, with that industry as well. Um, even though I think that alcohol is a little bit more, you know, got its tentacles into us a little bit further than tobacco did. Um, unfortunately, it's just been around longer. And, you know, I think its effects again are a bit more hidden (laughs) and lots of people want to turn a blind eye to it. So um.
0: as a parent, again, I think that you're really hitting on some crucial points, especially first of all, talking about FASD and how it is um, addressed and treated and uh, and approached. It, It really is a siloed kind of environment when it comes to, okay, you know, we need to go here for vocation and here for behavior and here for, you know, medical related. And and so as a parent, I can really appreciate that, you know, you're bringing that up. It really is. When, when we think about other types of diagnoses, you know, it, it's really this multidisciplinary kind of approach. Um, and we don't see that often with FASD, if at all. You know, I, I can I can probably name maybe one or two programs in the country that have that multidisciplinary approach in in caring for um, FASD, not only for the individual affected but for the family. Um, and and secondly, I mean, you are a hundred percent right. You know, when you talk about these numbers and and how many people, what the prevalence is, you know, I usually use the, the Philip May study in 2018 here in, in UNC Chapel Hill, you know, it's an estimate, and this is a conservative estimate, one in 20, you know, and when we talk about those numbers and compare them to other diagnoses, yet other diagnoses are getting this You know, who knows how many times more the funding that FASD gets. It's same thing with legislation. You know, Sarah Messalt was one of my first interviews because, you know, not only the work that Proof has done, but also the legislation that they have in Minnesota. It's it's groundbreaking that every child in foster care gets screened for an FASD. And every parent who's in foster training gets training in an FASD. You know, if if that were made nationwide, just yeah. that one tiny aspect alone, and like you said, Justin, there are so many tentacles that that FASD touches. You know, but that one little, you know, part right there, if 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 that was implemented across the country, that that would be phenomenal. You know, and and we're just that's the tip of the iceberg. So you all are just, again, I'm just nodding my head and smiling, you know, uh, it, you guys are just bringing some crucial, crucial points, you know, that people in the FASD community, we already know, but that you're going to bring these to, to the people who need to hear this so that we can get the ball rolling. Um, and, I, and I'm just so glad that you guys are doing this.
1: Thank you so much, Natalie. I think just I think you and your listeners would be interested. I just read this um, article today from Australia. Australia has done a lot of transformation of their landscape around FASD in recent years. And you know, they put you know, the responsibility on the partner, the family, the friends hanging out with a pregnant woman to engage in healthy behaviors because substance use happens in groups for the most part, minus, you know, true substance use disorders. So they've really, you know, made huge gains that way. And today I read that they just had a bill passed in Australia to have mandatory screening of all individuals who are in prison right now for FASD. And I was just like, whoa, we need to do that. Yes.
0: Because that's another population. Yes.
1: I just, I just, and so I I agree with you with the foster care system as well, or for adoptions. I mean, if we just did that one thing alone to start with, it would be, you know, radically transformative and, you know, the FASD, you know, uh, champions in the pediatric community and the um, FASD, you know, specialists in the OBGYN community. They're still just trying to work on getting one true FASD expert of their yeah. <laughs> occupation in every state. So yeah. people have to travel state lines. I mean, we're so we're just so behind the ball. It's still yeah. not a primary diagnosis. So all of these yeah. main huge messages, you know, have really popped out. I think during during you know, Justin and Jeff's first round of interviews, too. That's
2: that's yeah. great. We, you know, just to, for, for your listeners as well, something the film is addressing that, that just came up over and over again was um, um, educational resources, but also the biggest, one of the biggest talking points through, and there was a through line in every interview, um, whether it was with a professional or a caregiver or um, whomever was I, I was interviewing, it was um, uh, diagnostics and just kind of like how far, how much attention and resource um, needs to be given towards diagnostics. Because um, I know one thing I learned was that that rose up as a pattern is, is that uh, uh, from caregivers is that every, uh, every one of them spoke to me and said, you know, it was my, my kid was seven, or my kid was 12 or 14 when we found out. And, um, you know, the the diagnostic and, and the school aspect were very, very interesting talking points uh, through through many of the interviews. And I think on the other side of, you know, where we are now and where we're heading to, those are going to be where the greatest change is needed for, you know, the youth living with an FASD and um, for the parents and everybody and the caregivers taking care of them. So.
0: Yeah. And, and those diagnostic clinics, because um, FASD hope, um, we have a website, FASDhope.com and we have a resource page. And on our resource page, we have you know, not only state organizations and you know obviously national organizations like Proof and NOFAS, but we also have diagnostic clinics. And for as many people that are seeking diagn- diagnoses for their kids or you know for their family members, there's minute fraction of those clinics, and and it, they have they usually have waiting lists. You know, like I, I hear stories of of people waiting, you know, on. A year, you know, to get their their child diagnosed. Like in our case with our son, his his diagnosis was considered quote secondary, even though it was the main diagnosis. You know, for for something else he was diagnosed with. So, you know, it 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 happens. Unfortunately, um, on the parent end, we see a lot of diagnoses happen by accident rather than like you said. Okay, I suspect this. This is, you know, this is what's happening. Why do I have to go to 20 different people, you know, or 20 different, you know, specialists? So, I, I, again, I, I just, you guys are hitting a home run. I mean, <laughs> this is just such a, a needed film. So so let's talk about the status of this. You're home now. So now what with the FASD project?
2: Uh, we're, we're diving into the footage. We are starting to cut clips for for you know various um uh marketing and fundraising aspects but also um nobody is more excited than we are to get this this film to form to shape to where it's we can get a rough cut done so me and jeff are going to be working on it we've set up a uh, an editing uh bay little, a little little editing bay in our basement and um luckily my brother is very proficient in editing software <laughs> well just software in general so he's he's kind of jumped right on that and we are uh together w- looking to um head towards a rough cut um as soon as possible i, I don't want to put a timeline or a date on myself but i mean we're we're gonna be pouring over the footage you know and i hope by the beginning of the year that we're there so um and then there's you know there's a lot of layers that go into filmmaking from graphics cards and and other Mm -hmm. stuff that we're trying to uh fundraise for that that's kind of out of our wheelhouse but um you know if if it comes down to it we'll learn how to do graphics you know so (laughs) nothing is stopping us absolutely magical forward momentum that we have going with this that's been there again like i said since since the start and i in no way am going to let that die down so because part of the urgency again you know with the question you know why It's so, you know, urgent. I mean, we're still in this pandemic. It's not over yet. Um, People are out there, they're stressed, they're drinking, and uh, we want to give out a message that, you know, there's other options and think twice, (laughs) think twice too about, um, you know, the consequences um, and all that. So we, you know, that's a message that we're rushing to try and get out as soon as possible. So, you know, um, we're gonna be doing everything we can to, to get that done.
1: Yeah, I, I would like to say, too, it's not just us that recognize this. I mean, uh, National Institutes of Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse, NIAAA, you know, has come out with some statistics. Um, SAMHSA, other academics have published opinion pieces saying that we are facing a huge spike in incidents and severity of FASD in babies born in 2021 to 2022. I mean, this is projected. This has not happened yet, which means there's an opportunity to intervene. And if we can just prevent FASD in 40 kids, <laughs> that's amazing. Hopefully we'll do more. But the urgency and the quick, you know, getting this out and in front of everyone who is, you know, likely to have a pregnancy, you know, already pregnant now or about to be pregnant during this pandemic where mommy juice and maternal drinking and drinking earlier, no commutes, all of these things that come along with the pandemic are a 41% increase. And so this is real. And that, you know, I think everyone just realizes we all have to get band together and get this message out there. And it can't be, you know, can't be blaming. I think we need to tell, if you're hanging out with a pregnant woman, whether whether it's your partner or whatever, you should be sober around her and you should engage in healthy things Mm because pregnancy is precious and that fetus is precious and it can't handle that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to pay for that for the rest of their uh, rest of its life. And so, you know, this is no new news to us. The new news is the increase in maternal alcohol consumption. And it's scary. And I, 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 this might be lofty, but I hope we can prevent that huge, you know, incidents, we already had a huge problem of yeah. under recognition and awareness, and now yeah. it's just going to get worse. So, so
0: we're going to we take want- resources that, that are, uh, that are already tapped out and they're, yeah. you know, it's, we it's don't want
1: this to be a film to show our United States, like, look what we all did wrong guys. Right. Like we don't, this needs to be a prevention effort.
2: Right. And also too, I just want to, to jump on to that as well as as and duly important to me in this messaging as well as on top of the prevention, there are lots of caregivers and individuals living with an FASD that need resources that have needed long needed resources, and it's equally as important that there that the attention is drawn there as well um, uh, uh, for, in the prevention efforts. The prevention efforts is going to be a long battle that hopefully we can you know find quick turnaround change but the resources that can be a quick turnaround change in my opinion um Mm -hmm. and and maybe i'm off base but i i am or i'm hopelessly optimistic but i feel like with the right amount of awareness um that that we can get those resources out there and then those resources for those uh, people living with an FASD, the caregivers, uh, the the clinicians, everybody that's that's involved in that circle, that all ties in. It's intrinsic with the prevention as well. So um, you know, it's it's the whole top, the whole topic itself just needs to get out there. It needs, and and it, you know, like I I've shared with people that you know. I feel kind of ashamed for kind of greater society for for turning an eye to, away from this. And um, again, that's something that we're going to address in the docu series. Is you know how do we approach this? How do we approach something that is so just built in for thousands of years into our culture? <laughs> we're not talking just about America. We're talking about humans, like the since the first time that they let grapes sit around too long and then you know drank it. And so you know it's it's a long Standing issue and um, approaching it will be tricky, but I, I think it's time. I, and that's the other thing that I feel too, Natalie. It's I, you know about this whole project, the awareness um, and everything. It's you know it's time. Uh, you see the opioid uh, uh, industry uh, the pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. getting, getting, you know, and, um, I don't think that we need to necessarily take an adversarial stance with the alcohol lobby, but I think that there needs to be some accountability. Um, as Dr. Suzanne Rich, whom I spoke with, you know, she came right out and said it, and I kind of love her forwardness with this, which is, you know, um, they, you know, there, there needs to be some responsibility taken. And, um, and two, to what Christina said, it's not just about the mom's not drinking. It's about everybody, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, Mm -hmm. Cousins, friends gathering around and not having mimosas at baby showers, yep. not having beer at baby showers, yep. not having and and then making her not feel isolated as you're socially drinking just through her pregnancy. Right, we all we could all do to join in and not drink for that nine months and practice pregnancy too. The, the leading up to it, right? Because even now we've learned uh, in spermatogenesis and every other thing that the father's drinking can have an impact as well. Um, even if the mom doesn't drink. So, um, you know, and that's kind of a, a cut at the, we're at the forefront of that. But, um, you know, there's there's just so many angles that just need to be addressed. And and now is the time. So, you know, we're not we're not stopping or backing down until, you know, I don't care if we have to make 20 films. We're, we're going to keep uh, pressing this forward until, you know, and keep yelling until people turn around and, and look.
0: Well, I am so thankful That I'm able to talk with you. I know y'all are coming back on the show. (laughs) I'm not even asking you. I'm not going to be polite. I'm just going to say you all are going to be back and and giving me updates because this is like number one on our list of things to do in the FASD community is, is get this message out there to the right people who need to hear it, to the right organizations, to to everybody. The it, it's time. You're exactly right. And Christina, I appreciate you know the work that you do in the research. And Justin, I appreciate your passion and the the drive that you have to make this come to fruition. So again, as a mom who became an accidental podcaster, I, I have to say thank you because because what you're doing is is just so important. So I like to end our shows on what I call, and and you you mentioned it, Justin, what I call a hope takeaway. And I'm going to ask each of you to answer because I know both of you have may have different, you know, takes on this. For the people who are listening out there, you know, whether they're their parents like myself, or whether they're um, educators, professionals, you know, anyone, or or even parents who are just learning about FASD and beginning this journey, what words of hope can you tell them just from your experience so far and, and hopefully where you're taking this project?
1: Well, uh, there's so many, I think, you know, for me as a scientist who studies, you know, brain development following prenatal alcohol exposure and um, you know, when I leave work, I, I, you know, I leave work. And I am just constantly in awe of every single parent, and every single individual living with an FASD, because there is no leaving work. And, you know, for me, I, I guess, I apologize on the scientific community end that our research hasn't always engaged those who are benefiting from the research to make sure that we're asking the right questions at the right time. And I think that I see real change from the scientific community on that end. So we need you. We're in awe of you. Um, The strength and, and, you know, the lack of awareness, the having to educate um, us, educators, medical providers, and everything, pay for the financial obligations of all of these extra services and the time and you know the the changes in your expectations of what your life with while parenting would be, all of those things are, you know, add up and they're a burden that the very people <laughs> that need the resources have been carrying. And it's time for all of us to step up and do that heavy lifting for you and I am very hopeful that that change is happening and so that you can just be a parent and you can just be someone living with an FASD and you don't have to do all of the grassroots stuff that you've already been doing I hope that 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 other people that aren't that do get to check out at night um you know are hearing this and are are standing there next to you in this and that you're not gonna be doing this alone anymore as you have been and i'm sorry
2: and i also um to echo christina's in inspired is a word the words fall short for um my admiration for the entirety of the fasd community and um and the hardships and everything that um everybody within the community has had to go through, and I apologize on behalf of just, you know, our, our, our greater common society that, um, you know, but that's, this is the hope that I'm, um, going to come to you with is that I asked every single person the same question that I interviewed, every professional, every, every individual with an FASD, every caregiver, um, and everybody had an answer, and there's the hope inside of that, that People are rallying around now and let's get together. Let's shout from the mountaintops and bring attention to this and garner the change that has been long deserved for this community and for everybody inside of it. And um, I'm not hopeful. I'm bound and determined to help create that change and be a part of that and help facilitate that and, uh, you know, help. Like I said, we're going to build that megaphone and hand it over and, uh, and we're going to, everybody's going to yell into it until everybody else turns around and listens. And, um, uh, that's my hope. And, um, that's where we're heading and, and, um, I'm excited to, to be a part of it. And thank you.
0: And yeah. I'm excited to watch <laughs> and to follow and to listen and to talk to you guys. Thank you I, again, on behalf of...
1: A shout out too to Joel, who's the um, director and producer of another um, film called Truth About FASD. Um, it's it's called entitled Embrace, and he's collecting stories for his film. And he has a son uh, with an FASD and has been working on this as well. And so we are all on this, you know putting things out there are not enough films out there yeah. there could be Absolutely. you know 20 more of these at least so you know please do check out his project as yep. well yep
2: and Absolutely. he's at uh, embracedmovement.org and um, and for us we're the FASDproject.com um and we are um, creating as well um, where there's some background work happening right now to try and create a whole um, movement that is taking shape and we'll be excited to update you on, uh, the next time, but both for, uh, Joel's film and, uh, for the FASD project, uh, we're trying to engage on social media with via, you know, um, Jen, as you know, um, set up a wonderful, a sign that you can print from, uh, the FASD project and go on and tell your story and please upload it and share and share with everybody. And, you know, I think that that's the most important aspect of all of this is, Let's everybody get your voice heard and get out there. And, um, and yeah, check out, check out Joel's film and, um, and support him as well, please.
1: Yeah, and, and everyone needs to be a part of the FASD movement. Its power comes from how many people are there rallying. That's right. So this, is just a, this film is just one spoke of the FASD movement wheel.
0: Which is really exciting, especially us as parents who, you know, who've been in the FASD community for a while, you know, even though we were told other things, you know, when we finally got, when we were finally told that our, our children have an FASD. Just to see, I, I I really in the past three years, there is such momentum. It's it's great, you know, and it, and it gives me hope as a parent. So, um, I love hearing that. So, not only one awesome film, but two films and a movement, which that's just phenomenal. And that's that right there should make everybody more hopeful for for twenty twenty one. So. Christina and Justin, how can folks get in touch with you if they're interested in, in donating or if they're interested in learning more or how can folks get in touch with you and learn about donating to the FASD project or helping out or being a part of this movement?
1: So you can do a number of things. Um, We do have a website, www.thefasdproject.com. There is a GoFundMe on there. Anything helps, $5, whatever you can give. If you can share that link, that helps. So there's donation, there's sharing, um, there's signs that we're going to have on the website uh, in the next week where it's you download them and you promote hashtag the FASD project on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're at. And you can join the movement that way and help promote the movement so that we can keep the momentum growing so that we can have the movement align with the films coming out, and uh, legislation change, hopefully, and awareness. And maybe we get everybody diagnosed from foster care and in prisons, and we can do all of this because 2023 marks the 50 year anniversary from the first publication documenting FAS in the United States in 1973, The Lancet. That's right. And that will be a 50 year anniversary. We're entering 2021, so we need awareness then we need plans and then we need to implement those. And a lot of things can happen in three years if we all do this together.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Christina and Justin, thank you so much for what you're doing and especially thank you for being on our show and All of your contact information and everything you mentioned will be on FASDhope.com in our program notes. Also uh, in our social media, we will be sharing this information. So um, you can find this information on FASDhope.com. Christina and Justin, thank you again for being on FASD Hope.
2: Thank you, Natalie. Thanks for having us.
0: And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon.
2: Awesome. Sounds great. We'll look forward to it as well.
0: Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out fasdhope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and
2: always have hope.